pleased to be joined by Dr. Bill McGuire, principal owner of Minnesota United FC. We've had you on the podcast now several times to just talk about the team and give your perspective. And so thanks for coming back. We we brought you back on because uh, you had reached out after the last interview because, uh, you know, it was still mid-COVID times and we were doing over the phone and, and you wanted to get it right, get better quality. and Yeah. And you just love talking to me. It's it's always <laughs> always enjoy talking, Wes. Always enjoy. Um, it's always so, good to get real questions. Yeah, yeah. I, I try my. I do my best. Um, I want to start by just talking about the 2021 season so far. Usually, I interview before a season. Uh, now we can kind of look back so far, and I, I wonder how you would grade it. What what your your impression is? Um, well, obviously significantly improved and momentum wise much better we'll withhold for the moment comment on the last uh, game but uh, <laughs> that win that became a draw um, you know the start of the season is well documented it was difficult uh, we clearly weren't playing where we wanted to be playing and uh, but now I see you know I think we all see a lot of good things so we're optimistic that it'll keep getting better. Yeah, and so so you you give it kind of a, a passing grade at least for now as as yeah. With I mean, the whole I, I don't. You want it's to see more. more than a passing grade, okay. obviously, but it's not. You know, I wouldn't say that we're at where we ultimately think we will be yet. Um, but we're clearly competitive. We can clearly win any and every game that we we have to play against. Uh, yeah. The guys are showing some real some good characteristics obviously the team didn't start with the personnel quite all set i mean that's a common story a lot of times getting with the the preseason transfer window being the january uh era uh, for most other leagues I, i guess how do you look back at this kind of roster building year in terms of putting together what you what what the team wanted to do because obviously it's not well, well i think we've We've accomplished a, a, a lot of, not everything that the team wanted to do, but from my perspective, which is going to be different than, you know, the coaches and the other people involved in it, um, you know, it was frustrating because it was so hard to get some of the things that we knew we were going to do done in a timely fashion, mostly because of COVID mm-hmm. and, and all the arrangements. And so even when we theoretically have agreements in two parts of the world, yeah. South America and Europe, you can't get the players out. Yeah. Um, There's just things that that make it difficult. And in the way the, the time frames were going, for instance, uh, you know, who now was in a team that was uh, fighting for a position in the Europa Leagues and, and you know, so they wanted to keep him longer. And, and then you get into the thing, well, like how much is the player play when everybody knows he's leaving and do they play him full-time or do they just keep him for part-time then if you're not playing the game competitively a number of minutes are you really in shape and i think we've all known and we see it in mls all the time it's very difficult for players to come in from the outside and just walk in and that day their game fits and ready to go and everything you want them to be and obviously that's that weighs on it a little bit so it's frustratingly slow but yeah you know it's a long it's a long battle and we got to show up every year and so it's it's not just one year at a time 
Yeah, I was going to ask about the pandemic and how that played a part. Obviously, for UNU, it was, it was uh, there's, well, for all of them, there's COVID protocols of when you can travel and stuff like that. Did it also um, change negotiations with teams? Where Did you notice that was different in terms of uh, our prices inflated or there's less movement of players and so they want to hold on? Where, is there anything well, with the market? You know, again, from my standpoint sure. and, and listening, I think we we're all hearing, well, you know, the pandemic's going to make players more available and the financial problems really wrought by the mm -hmm. pandemic are going to make, um, they're going to pressure teams and they're going to need money so they'll, they'll give up players. I'm not sure that ever happened for the okay. people that you really wanted. Um, what was more of a concern, I think, was just the uncertainty that was wrought out there, which weighed on teams trying to sell, teams trying to buy, teams trying to get positioned to avoid relegation, to go up, all of those things, those, those really did impact things. So it wasn't just the money side. Or even things like I remember, uh, you know, the Argentinian team traveling into Brazil. Mm -hmm. Well, that now that's at a time at a big outbreak down there. We're doing better up here. They're doing worse down there. That impacts things. So then mm -hmm. you've got players sitting around, maybe extra days of quarantine. Um, and then there's just the, you know, I think also in every country, players and their families were disrupted and. And that has an impact on things and how people think about things. So it was, it was, it's, it has been and continues to be a very challenging time for people. For the team, does it, does it seem like, um, for many aspects of, of where the pandemic was really hurting, um, that the team can, can start to move on and, and think, look forward um, past the real, you know, there's some money constraints. Obviously we have uh, fans in the stadiums um, and, you know, travel is mostly normal other than playing Vancouver in Salt Lake City. Um, it, it, does it seem like things are getting back to normal for the team uh, or is it still a little while away? Well, I think they're getting back. Yeah. They are getting back. Um, there's obviously elements of disruption that pop up regionally, for instance, in the U.S. Uh, you know, our organization, I mean, we feel like we lost a year and a half of tremendous momentum to say nothing of the economic consequences of, of very little revenue. So those you don't make up, you, you just sort of have a pause and hope you can come out the other side. But I think generally, here they are better. I think some parts of the world they're they're being challenged right now, and you know all of it is made more difficult because we're still, from a science standpoint, from a medical standpoint, trying to figure out um, the COVID virus, the the original um, situation, plus all the permutations, and then and you've got the medical side of that. Obviously, political sides. There's there's so many different things here that are always causing people to look down the road and say, okay, I think I can plan this way, but I still have to be cautious. Can I ask you, is the team at all considered um, vaccine passports for the stadium? Is that a conversation that, that happens? I think it's happened, you know, passingly. I'm not sure we think that it's the right way to do it just mm -hmm. yet. Um, 
you know, we very well, you know, as, as an organization, we, we're certainly going to consider vaccinations uh, um, and how we deal with that relative to employees and, and our staff members. And, and as a lot of almost every company is going to do. Um, right now, it's, you know, obviously we are, are very supportive and promotional, actually, of people getting vaccinated. I think from a medical standpoint, it's the right thing to do. Um, we'll follow the, the various protocols and um, probably won't try to tread too heavily on, on people, but mm -hmm. use common sense and support what the, the various governments are promoting. How was, uh, you know, on, on June, was it June 23rd, that first game back with the full stadium? How did that feel? Well, it was it was just great. I mean, I, uh, you know, the the emotion is was probably first just the wow of every home game. You know, just the yeah. experience is so good, and then to remind yourself how different it's been. Yeah, what you missed. I mean, you realize you went through a year without that. You know, yeah. and it's just that's incredible obviously more than a year even but but that long away from that and i know the players felt that way you know they're just they're so um engaged with the fans and the relationship and the meaning of that relationship that it really does make a big difference to it and you hear adrian talk about that and you hear chase and hassani and others and boxel and any of them after a game they, they all talk about it but that's sort of the double wow of it. One is, boy, isn't this great? And then secondly, geez, it's so much different. Mm -hmm. It's so much more. And it's really with the fans that you get what the game is about to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, if I look back, and we've had these conversations before, but the first soccer game I really ever saw was up at the NSC that playoff game we yeah. won and yeah. 300 people broke the fence down and you said there's a relationship there this isn't just from watching a sport there's something there and that's what you see and you feel and i think at this stadium where our supporters have been so great since the beginning and have sort of really led this but more than any mls team i've seen we are thinking about that you're listening to the rest of the people mm -hmm. who are acting the same mm -hmm. it's not sporter section lots of noise and great things happening it's yeah. it's now permeated the entire stadium it's incredible yeah it was kind of wild being back at that first game back where and emotional because you think about all the things that you've missed and and then it was also even thinking about a player like reynoso who it seems like has been here forever now and is, is such an important part of the team. He had never uh, played in front of the real Wonderwall until June 23rd, right. almost a year, I forget when he was signed last year, but almost a year after he was signed. So he plays for this team for a year and he doesn't really get to see what right. it's actually about. I'm, I'm sure other players told him about it and he was like, okay, whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it was, it's been a delight being back at, at games and, and having that little bit of, of normality and, and just seeing people and having these reunions in the, uh, in the kind of uh, walkways behind the stands. So um, I want to uh, switch here because I have a lot of organizational questions about the team, um, but probably the biggest one 
comes from the fact that um, it was announced that Chris Wright, president of the team, is going to be um, stepping down from his role, and that they're going to. There's now a search already going on to replace him. When you and I were chatting on the phone. You definitely sounded a little annoyed at me from uh, from our discussion of the of of this news on our podcast. So I I would I would love to hear from you. Like what what do you think? Um, what what are we missing? What did I get wrong, or what did we get wrong? I'd, I'd love well, your that, now. I you know I, I don't remember everything that was said. So I, I have a whole transcript. I, I, I was just listening, but you know I I, I mean let let's think back at. I got a little bit of a feeling that maybe people were looking at this, oh, wow, this is an abrupt thing and, mm -hmm. you know, all this. And no, it's not. I mean, we did put out a press release a um, number of weeks back, maybe almost a month now. And <clears throat> when Chris came on board, um, the deal was, you know, we were thinking three, three four years. Mm -hmm. You know, Chris was at a time in the late 60s and, you know, he didn't want to do forever. Right. And we saw it. You know, Chris was really the guy for what we needed to do and, and wanted to do to, to kick this thing off. And so it was really all planned, and the process took off last fall, really, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, Chris and I talked about it, and he said, yeah, I still think that's the right timing uh, for a lot of reasons and uh, personal stuff. I said, okay, we'll work on it. And then... Chris went about his business doing what he's supposed to do, and I worked on it. And sure. so I and the owners, and we really began that process last fall. And so it's been going on now. What is this? August. So yeah. we got almost a year, I guess, yeah. nine, ten months yeah. of working on that process. And so it's really not abrupt, and it's not, oh, wow, a month ago we started a search. You know, we we were well down. In fact, I think somebody made it in a comment and said, "Well, maybe they've already decided." Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't know if we were everything, all the eyes and T's crossed, but you know, we'd we'd done what we wanted to do in terms of laying out what we thought the organization needed, what the list of candidates that we all knew mm -hmm. um, that we could come forth with. Um, and, and gone through that process. Um, and, and there will be announcement forthcoming. Yeah, so on this podcast, we're going to announce. <laughs> <laughs> well, not today, but, but sure, you're, you're close to what a. <laughs> so let's, I guess let's talk about, uh, about that. The, you know, the biggest, I would, I guess, from my perspective, the biggest project that Chris Wright had was the launch of the stadium, right? Getting, there's so many details. Mm -hmm. Um, with sponsors and everything and getting that right and making sure it happens. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing to happen during his era. Um, what, what are the big projects going forward for this team? Like what, mm -hmm. what are the things that, that that's what the president is going to be tasked with doing? Yeah. Um, well, number one, let me, let me just say, and in listening to the last time, I think there are a lot of good things said in that those conversations. I mean, I'm as you know, I mean, we sit around privately with a small group of supporters mm -hmm. and stuff from the beginning and talk about things that we just open the kimono and talk about. And I think it's always interesting to hear what the fans think and particularly what supporters that have been around a lot think. And what's missing, what's not missing. Doesn't mean that we all have to agree, but I think that's good background. And, and I, you know, I, I don't typically, for instance, go and say, okay, let's have a meeting and write everything on paper on the wall so we get it right. Yeah, yeah. It's right. more a process of just, 
you know, every day you learn something. You know, when we stand over in the cold this spring and have a sandwich on the, on the lawn, just mm -hmm. thinking about maybe it's about to happen with six or eight other people, I learn something, I mm -hmm. hear something, I, we take that back. So um, when Chris came on board, our issues really were moving into that stadium and, and doing that. That was going to really be more the start of the team because sure. before you're playing somewhere else, as you say, you don't have sponsors. You don't have other things. You don't have anything to sell. Right. And building those relationships. And so what we were looking for at the time is, you know, somebody based in the community, somebody that had connections, somebody who understood this somebody who cared about the community. Um, it was great that there was also soccer there. You mm -hmm. know, the history in sports was of some value, but mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily the most critical thing. And our tasks really were to begin building the brand beyond just, you know, this is the fifth soccer team since 1976 or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and also then bringing a bunch of people together, which we were in the process of doing, to make that happen. And obviously the stadium, and everything this day is not one person. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, right, right. it's a whole yeah. group of people. But bringing the expertise to be able to, just as you're planning to, you know, how you're gonna interface with lines and people and getting them in the door and out the door and all the problems, how do we also bring on board partners People are into the community. And how do we tell all that? And that was what we did in the beginning. Um, and I think, you know, we never accomplished everything we wanted to. I think 2020 would have been an extraordinary year given the momentum coming mm -hmm. out of that first year. Um, but we had to take a step back. Now we're at a different stage. Um, we've done some of that. The stadium is everything any of us could have ever thought. Um, you know, there's people that wish it had a few more seats, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just proud and happy that it's a full place mm -hmm. that's a great place to visit. And having, you know, people get that game day experience down and make the fans for it and everything, that's, that's really what's, what's critical. Um, but this, you know, it's sort of like a business as you grow and you have startup businesses and then they get a little more mature and, and then they're very different when they're really big, mature businesses. The best businesses or the best enterprises are always, to me, those that continue the quality and the commitment to what they do, but they change. Mm -hmm. they, they evolve with what's going on around them rather than saying, hey, I've got something, I'm just gonna sit here and never change it, because that gets you out of step. So we have to bring what we have now forward um, and build on these basic elements. We can do more um, relative to what I'm gonna call a brand, but it's really what the club stands for, the fan base, the relationships, um, the breadth of our reach, the idea behind why is soccer so great in the first place? Mm -hmm. What is it about soccer that makes it so different and, and so capable? So that we want to do. We want to connect more with the community. And, and that kind of thing is not, you know, what necessarily do you give away? 
yeah. it's it's a lot more tangible things than that. And and you guys were you know talking about some of that, um, but that's what we've got to do. We've got to make sure our organization runs very efficiently and is very responsive and anticipatory, um, like a good buttoned up business would be. So that stuff sort of comes natural so we can invest ourselves and our energies on this outward element. And I think so much of it, you know, is outward facing, making sure we're listening and know what's going on and how to make this a better experience all the time and grow it. We also have to make sure internally that we do everything as, as good and as efficiently as we can. Because um, it's a tough business, you know. It's, uh, there's not a lot of revenue that comes in the door from having a small facility that, you know, costs a lot of money. I was laughing to myself watching the reports of NFL payouts <laughs> by team and scratching my head. And, you know, an NFL team gets, you know, about the same amount of money every year that we put into a stadium. Yeah. Cash. Um, so it's a very different dynamic mm -hmm. that we have to be responsive to. Um, so what, in terms of then finding the person for that to embody or at least be the person who leads, because uh, it's a large organization, leads in that direction of all these things, what were the attributes that, that this kind of uh, hiring committee put together that they were looking for for, for this person? Well, there was a long list. I mean, obviously there were probably 20 or 25 key characteristics and I don't want to get too far in my help myself because we'll be talking about these things in general um, when we make this announcement. Um, but first we were interested if we could pull it off. Our first um, sort of circle was, what do we have in this community? So if we can have somebody that is part of this community already, that cares about this community, um, really for a long period has been there, has relationships, that would be where we would want to start. Um, we want somebody who is really, really good at that community and the relationship. It's almost like a, what you call a B2C business to consumer kind of relationship who mm -hmm. understands what it's about to build something that interacts with individuals and people and stuff. Um, someone who lives the, the values that we have, um, you know, both in their business world and history, if they've got that, as well as their personal life, and can articulate those and represent those. Um, someone who perhaps thinks differently um, and is, is understanding of things that are evolving today that weren't here 10 years ago. You know, I mean, e-commerce, um, uh, you know, uh, there's just so many things that um, we would never thought of. Yeah. Um, so I think that part, someone who is a, uh, ideally would have some solid business experience and understands how to bring um, different elements of an organization together, different elements of a community together, different people, other businesses, the soccer team, um, those kind of things. Obviously somebody who represents or brings to them a diversity of ideas and experiences. And you know, we talk a lot about diversity and hiring and stuff. And 
you know, the value in that in part is having different experiences. Somebody who thinks differently, looks at things differently, fully understands all you have and what you do. It's not, gee whiz, you know, some businesses, people come in and say, oh, everything's terrible. Right. <laughs> I got to change everything. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not usually that way. It's how do you build upon and, and evolve. And, you know, we've done so much, so many things um, have turned out good, well, um, I should say, um, relative to our original plan. Mm-hmm. But we still have lots of things we can do and, and be better and, uh, and make a bigger difference both on the field and off the field. Yeah. And the, it, it, I guess I'm presuming from this, it, it sounds like you've found someone in that, that this is coming in some, some general time in the, the, the future that, that it'll be announced. Is that what that I'm presuming? Very soon. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious now with that kind of base put down of, of that, that uh, president, that CEO level, I'm curious about the sporting structure underneath and how it's kind of shaken out. Um, you know, a lot of times the the traditional structure, which is not really followed by all the clubs anymore anyway, um, is that you've got this, this person up top who kind of uh, a, a sporting director or whoever, technical director, who they set the kind of overall tone and they set the priorities for how we scout, who we're scouting, what kind of team we want to create, and the head coach. You know, they're going to hire the head coach. Um, uh, it's my understanding that, you know, Mark Watson does some of those things, but that um, kind of at the top is more of a Peter Vermees sporting Kansas City thing where you've got our head coach who kind of also is in that role setting kind of the overall um, sporting direction. Is it, am I, am I yeah. correct in that? It's cause it's a little unclear. Well, only and I, I a little way. It. Okay. It's probably confusing because maybe it, it looks confusing. Yeah. Well, so I'd but, love to hear about it. But, so. you know, let, let's just sort of start at the organizational thing. So the person, the, the, Chris has been the CEO and he's mm-hmm. responsible for all parts of the organization. The new person will be, CEO also, mm-hmm. and that individual will be responsible for the operations of the club, the stadium, the business, all the finance, all these areas, marketing, everything, all that, yeah. as well as sporting. Right. But the sporting, because it's a, a you know, a more um, sort of finite set of experiences and knowledge and stuff, sort of operates, has to operate itself. Um, and the role and the things that have to be done there range from, <clears throat> you know, most simplistically putting the first team together and on the field and making them credible, um, but also interfacing with the league. Mm-hmm. And so you've got things, you know, coaching, handling the players, finding the players, hiring or contracting mm-hmm. with the players within the league rules and all those things, which we all know are pretty complicated, running the, you know, having a practice facility, running that facility, um, arranging all the travel, all the administrative things for that, and interfacing with the league on sporting matters and interfacing with the rest of our organization on all of the things because they don't necessarily have at least in our organization, their own finance people and Mm -hmm. all that, you try to share all that. So, and and most recently, 
Manny Lagos has actually been the head of that sporting thing. Okay. And yeah. Adrian focuses on coaching and the player procurement and all that reports to him. Right. That's Mark Watson and Amos McGee and those people. Yeah. Um, and they have a group um, up there. And then there's some administrative people. And then there's the medical people. And they all work. So it's sort of Manny over that uh, historically. Now, I don't know, you know, some of these like uh, well, Bruce Arena, I think, and Peter Vermees are examples where they sort of are Manny. Yeah. And they're the coaches and yeah. stuff. And, you know, that may work fine. Then you've got other ones that have somebody that's totally independent from the coach, but they don't have the coach and the player Mm-hmm. Uh, recruitment and finding together. Those are totally separated. Sometimes those work, sometimes they don't work. If I was a coach, that would never work. I mean, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be signing up to coach somebody else's players. I mean, I remember, you know, I think this is the, the Timberwolves. You know, we had, uh, we hired a, a coach, Kurt Rambis. The only thing that he'd ever known was the triangle. But he was brought in after, this is, I think, David Kahn. He comes in after the, the players are all selected. Yeah. Well, don't we want to line up the kind of players with the kind of coach? And it's that kind of thinking. So where is that line? And all that says is, in the end, what you want, what we want, and what we are going to achieve is a very a more homogeneous um, group of people who operate towards these common goals. They may have separate areas. For instance, player development. The academy, a reserve team, and a first team, that should all have a continuity of thought and style and that kind of stuff because you're really developing these along the way to get Mm -hmm. here. So... You know, the same medical people, the training people may not be exactly the same people, but the same part right. of that organization have to spread out and do that. If we're going to look for players, we ought to be looking, you know, for 15 year olds. At the same time, we might be looking for a 26 year old. Yeah. We're looking for a player that happens to be those ages. And and um, so uh, so then one of the questions I've had um, recently is, let's say um, Adrian at the end of the season retired. Or, or whatever. Um, who who would? Where does then the continuity level of? Is it is it amongst several different people? Is that what you're telling me? Or who I guess would lead with the next image of? All right, we've we've had uh, Adrian doing this, and now we want to find someone who maybe does something totally different, or maybe continues this thing and is in a similar vein. That is would that, that would be a process you yeah. decide. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I don't think that I don't think the structure itself trumps the people okay. in the end you know didn't mean to use trump <laughs> I, I but we 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 should remember i mean we have to be flexible at every part of an organization you know we have to be able to change yeah and if something changes we have to adapt to it and we would move to that and if you had somebody that was just extraordinary at a role you might make some changes to do that Otherwise, you might say, hey, no, I want to do this differently. And, you know, I get how each one can be different. 
no two clubs are going to be the same. The requirements are very different um, in, in different places. You know, how we approach things, given where we are and the size we are, is very different how they might approach it in Los Angeles. Right. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> they probably have 17 people to do what one person does at Minnesota. Yeah, and, they have, yeah. and look, you know, they have some very good people. But they also go through some of the same struggles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's less, I mean, you have to have the structure right. And sometimes you have to change it a few times to get it right. You have to have it right to make it work correct. Most importantly, you have to have good people mm -hmm. who work within it. You know, it's the old days. I remember the, you know, discussions that jokes used to be about corporate organizations and people run around and they validate themselves based on the number of squares in their ceiling because that said how big their office was. <laughs> it's like, what, what is is this a real thing? <laughs> this is a real thing that people would do? 20 years ago? Oh, my God. oh absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that was the joke. Sure, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, but, but it reflected yeah. a reality. What is important? Yeah. Well, those kind of things aren't important. You know, what's important is how you do your job and how you relate to other people. And usually when you relate to other people and can reach out to those people, you're gonna do a better job, you know? Because none of us are smart enough to have everything right, you know? But you surround yourself with good people all working to the common thing. That's what we wanna achieve. Sure. And that would be any organization. But we in particular wanna do that. And so the person coming in here run all this that's one of their jobs yeah you know whether they're a sporting person or not a, a soccer person a basketball person like chris was uh, a not a, a business person you mm -hmm. know somebody that's just off the street doesn't matter they still have to do the same job and the really good ones will do that yeah they'll, they'll build a team where everybody is doing their roles yeah, sorry to dig in the weeds on that, but I figure while well, it got it's you not, to, it's, to, it's to get... It's not in the weeds. I think, think it's, a, it's a fascinating thing that you can see. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the times it really works, usually, I mean, when you do it, it helps. It, it makes a huge difference. Um, I want to switch to ask about um, stadium development around the site because uh, it's a chance to, to kind of figure out what's going on. It's near and dear to my heart as someone who lives right by here. Um, what what is the what's the status over there what, in terms of that block that um, you and R.K. Birdoff uh, kind of collectively are kind of <laughs> working on? You know, there's yeah. that partnership there of, of development. Right. Yeah. Um. It, it, it's complicated and it's frustrating. Um, it's complicated, obviously, because some things happened last year that that changed the dynamic and in what was planned. You know, there was never any plan in the first probably five years to have to do anything with the shopping center that sure. was going to be there, um, and and that came along and that that just terribly terribly destroyed in, in a lot of areas and, and just made that go away. So that has to be looked at differently. Obviously, Big Top was the same way. Um, the, the plan has continued to be to develop it um, sequentially with um, a group of some retail 
some residential, some office, mm -hmm. some entertainment um, kind of things, probably in stages. There are a couple of parties that um, are broadly defined from this area that have committed $150 million of capital to build buildings on the site. Um, that hasn't happened yet. It's, it's been a frustrating process, just like the demolition, which is, we're, you know, Rick's waiting to hear, uh, let's get it. Permit was applied for in June. Here we are the 1st of August, no permit yet. Sure. Um, and you can't do it until that's taken down, and that isn't a building site. The, the buildings were actually on the, on the east, I mean on the west side. Um, I think you know, I'm hopeful and optimistic that they'll happen. I think we all are because it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, bring people to the area and uh, put some things in the area that will uh, make people in the area happy and, and give them some use as well. Um, the first two buildings really are, are residential and then uh, sort of an office, but more of an incubator kind of thing for smaller businesses to, to start and grow, and uh, some foods-related services for uh, small business, um, really, really small. I mean, like an incubator, startup kind of thing. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, a plan for a outdoor video screen that can show movies in the park on Wednesday night and Thursday night and mm -hmm. soccer match from the Gold Cup or the World Cup and, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe even opera or something, yeah. who knows. So those things are still there and they're planned, but, it, you know, the time's a-wasting and, you know, people are are anxious to get going. Well, and, and you know, I, I'd say I had my, my brothers visiting town uh, come to a game when it was still at 5,000 people and they were walking back from the stadium and one of them stops and takes a picture of the burned footlocker and he's, he just, he's, he's from, he lives in Texas and he said, yeah, sorry, this is just stuff I only see on CNN. And it kind of, it definitely uh, made me shake into like, to realize like, oh yeah, I walk past this every day almost. And that, yeah, there's just, burned out things right next to me that I've, I've been taking for granted. And I think that that having those around uh, the continuing, it sounds like hopefully sometime this permit will be granted. It has been very frustrating for a lot of people. It's yeah. one thing I hear about a lot. The, from no people. more frustrating sure. for anybody that's walking by it than it is for people who are trying to change it actively yeah. and, you know, or spending money trying to change it actively. Um, it's my my. So I was reading about it t today because there was a, a recent local article about it with with the update. It's my understanding that because the um, the intention was, as you said, to be sequential and really start developing along that Snelling University intersection first, and then, like you said, after five years, then then hopefully the development has gone further east toward. Um, what would it what used to be the Walmart um, that because now the early demolition that's happening on the on the eastern side which is where that kind of shopping center is that that's going to be temporarily a, a, a parking lot it sounds like in that no or no 
the the permit okay. applied for was to just get the buildings down. Okay. So your friend from Texas and you and yeah. nobody else has to look at that. Yeah. And then cover that over with dirt and grass. Okay. Leave the parking lots, the rest of the area where they are, okay. but but no buildings. And you know, obviously those parking areas have been used for parking all along. Um, on game days, but that's all that's for. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to, number one, it doesn't make any sense to tear something out that you can use. Number two, it doesn't make any sense to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to tear them down right now right. until it's time to actually build there. Referring to the parking lots. To tear, or, yeah, or just the, the yeah, parking yeah, areas, right, right. but you got to get yeah. rid of those buildings. And, yes. and then okay. obviously, um, you know, the, the plan originally was, as you say, to go a little bit, um, not the entire Snelling University side, because, for instance, the corner of Snelling University, that was never right. early, but, yeah. but down below the area that's still fenced off, that's the first one to go. And those, there's plans there. I mean, yeah. it's, I could, I've, we've shown a lot yeah, of these, yeah. these pictures. And then maybe on the north side of the lawn, mm -hmm. um, something there, and there's been a number of things looked at there. There's a great plan for a, a big uh, playground that includes playground for handicapped kids and stuff, and we've shown that. Maybe a hotel, um, given all the colleges, universities around and that need and, and something there. Um, you know, not a, a monstrous thing. None of these are that big. And then there was a plan for the eastern part of the Great Lawn, not all the way over to Pasco where the center is now, mm -hmm. but but on that grass area for a entertainment kind of area. And then you'd go, those might be the easiest first stage, and then go and build to the east when it was time. But sure. that was, now with that coming down, that changes the dynamic a little bit, but we still have to get, get those things done. And it's just, you know, it's, it's tough, and building costs have, have gone up dramatically. Tell me about it. And uh, <laughs> just encountered you know, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, people are doing uh, commercial construction or talking, you know, eight, ten percent in some situations, and that that makes the economics uh, very challenging for people. And fortunately, the folks that have been stepping forward so far are interested. It's not a. It's more than just an investment in a building. It's an investment in the community. And of the things that have really been done well by the team, I think, and uh, Chris and the group from the beginning, and the thing, you know, I worked on, lots of people worked on them, the owners will work on them, is assembling a group of partners, the family that we talk about that's Minnesota United, who care about the community. And you see it, you know, you see Allianz and these food drives with Keystone and what they're doing. You see it with Bell Bank. You see it with Blue Cross. You see it with Alina. You see it with M Health Fairview. Um, you know, you go down the list. I mean, Element, all of them are engaged <laughs> at different ways to make this a better community. Um, our whole community. That was the whole idea of soccer. We think yeah. having soccer, pro soccer team, will make us a better community because there's lessons to be had yeah. from soccer. Um, I want to switch a bit to just the talking about the league overall. Um, there, 
there's this interesting quote from Jorge Mas, from uh, owner of Inter Miami, where he said, it's no secret there are a segment of owners in the league that don't want to spend money, that are okay with status quo, that are very happy with their financial situation and circumstances because they invested in the league X years ago and it's a cash cow and they're clipping, <laughs> this is a great quote, and they're clipping coupons and life is good. Do you... You know, there. I know that there are thoughts about how do we grow this league at a good rate, right? Um, how do we um, require people to invest and do these things? I, I guess I'm curious about your not not so much specifically that quote, but your thoughts on the league in terms of um, what how it affects this team and what what are the ways it kind of hinders what you want to be doing or kind of. Uh, things that could be done that would help teams like Minnesota United that are in a, um, I think Minnesota United are in a really good sweet spot of maybe punching a bit over our weight in terms of uh, the big cities, right? You know, we do pretty well, I, th I think. So I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, it's obviously a complicated question <laughs> that we could we could go all over the place, and maybe we should. Um, your response to that quote was about like mine. We both shook our heads, yeah. maybe, maybe differently. I, I'm not sure about the clipping the coupons, you know. But it's it, it's it's no surprise to anybody. It's well known. I mean, teams that started what 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, they paid. Five thousand, five million dollars for a franchise fee. Mm -hmm. um, now you got franchise fees of maybe four hundred million. Mm -hmm. um, and if you started in that place, um, and depending on what you did with the stadium and stuff, you you may have very different economics than somebody like us. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this is it's extraordinarily challenging to come in, you know, and. You know, this is public impression. I'm not telling any real secrets, or at least we've we've talked about it. You've got a stadium that costs over two hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody has to put up that money. It's not, you know, there's some uh, um, relatively small amount comparatively in infrastructure around the stadium, but the stadium was built with private funds, mm -hmm. um, unlike every other stadium in this community that's fifty percent taxpayer money. That's money that has to come from somewhere, and then you have a franchise fee, and you know ours was a hundred million dollars, and they're much higher now. You add those two things together, you build a practice facility, you you fund the operation. That is a big challenge, and you you can do the math. I mean, you've been a business look. You have even if you had twenty thousand seats, and you have modest ticket prices because you want everybody to be there. You know, we don't have any $1,000 front row seats. Um, and you get a, you have some corporate sponsors that share it with you. You don't have enough revenue to mm -hmm. cover all the cost. That's a very different situation than somebody might be who, who came in with much smaller numbers. And that's going to keep going. And so that creates different kinds of baseline things. What the league needs to do, in my view, and I think Don Garber talks about this a lot, and you know, mixed results sometimes, we still have to have everybody investing at the same level, sort of quality-wise, comparatively. Right. We've got to have great fan experiences everywhere, not just some of the places, and not just 
the big places or the little places. And they're not necessarily that. We know there's differences. And so I think what we want as a league is to achieve that kind of uniformity where we're getting the great fields, the, the great experiences. And I think the really good news is you've seen some of that lately. So these new stadiums, you know, I haven't been to Columbus, looks like a great stadium. Mm -hmm. I know a bunch of money, Cincinnati's a little bit like our stadium, if mm -hmm. you probably noticed. Um, <laughs> yes, I did notice. <laughs> and uh, that is the thing. Austin's got a great mm -hmm. experience. LAFC's got a great experience. So we've got all these new stadiums coming up, and they're really carrying this forward. And that's one level of investment. And we need to make sure we can keep having those. I happen to be one well-known to say, I want it to be on real grass. Yeah. If we can play on real grass in Minnesota, um, and actually we probably have as good a field now as anybody in the North America, in the best stadium still, everybody can play on real grass. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that's the experience we have to strive for. At the same time, we've got to have people trying you know, to do the best they can within their own economics to put a good team on the field. If we can provide good competitive teams in a great environment for people to attend, people will show up. You know, that's the right way to look at it, to provide these things and make it an exciting thing where you really just want to go. Just like you said, you come in here and you haven't been here in a year and you say, my yeah. God, what have I missed? That's what we want to achieve as a league. And that's where we've got to be, do it right. And are, are there enough uh, carrots and sticks in league-wide to make sure that all owners are on? Because I think you're right. A lot of these new owners, ownership groups, because LAFC is like 700 people own the team. And um, those people are very much invested in these top quality experiences. You can see... Uh, Austin already has three DPs and I think two young DPs. Or I mean, they are they're doing all these things from the out of the gate. Whether they're doing it well, we won't talk about on this. But but then you 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 wonder in in what what Moss is kind of uh, I guess entertainingly getting to of of these clubs that um, they're they haven't been keeping with the times the way maybe Columbus right they finally get, they got their second uh, stadium. Uh, um, and and you look at their and they're not really spending money on their teams. Are there enough carrots and sticks to get every, all of these markets working at the same level? I think so. Okay. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, everybody's circumstances are different. Yeah. Wes, I mean, that's that's the one thing. It's not a uniform deal where people are sitting around saying, you know, I'm just going to be really cheap and not invest. Circumstances are different. Yeah. We can't we can't go and you know put down twenty million dollar transfer fee on a player. Yeah. Um, but other teams can. Good for them. Yeah. Um, but I think there is certainly enough that we can jointly, including the fans, including our partners, all push to achieve these increasingly better standards and stuff. And like every other sport, there's always going to be somebody that's got more and somebody that's got less. That's okay. You know, the Premier League's got more and it's got less. 
And by gosh, there's no better entertainment than sit there and watch some of these movies, you know, Sunderland Till I Die. And <laughs> I re-listened to our last interview, and I, I remember we talked about it. And I just, but you look at these experiences. <laughs> yeah. Or even Ted Lasso now. Yeah. I mean, you watch this, or, or you look at, uh, you know, that's what, what it's all about. I think we can get there. I think we are getting there. I yeah. think it's, it is getting better. Um, and and it's also focusing more attention yeah. on that. Um, so we've got the World Cup, Men's World Cup, coming up in a couple of years. That's always one of the key moments of capturing new fans, getting people excited about it. Just it's every four years we get a great catalyst for for growth. What? Uh, what is the league or what is Minnesota United? How, how do you look to that and look at how do we capture those people um, beyond, you know, trying to brand around it or getting, having watch parties at the stadium or things like that? Like, well, obviously we're, we're dependent on, on not just what we do, but what a whole bunch of other people do. And we need um, to commit the U.S. needs to qualify. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, we're actually going to get two bites at it. We got this next World Cup yeah. coming. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll qualify for that. Yeah. And then we're gonna host the World Cup, yeah. or at least in part. So we've got six years or so. You can host a, uh, when, you know, I remember when, whenever uh, teams will come to the US for that, are we gonna host like a training camp for like the Danish national team or something like that? Well, we town? would hope to. All right, well, I'm just putting it in your head too. Uh, it doesn't have to be Denmark, uh, it can be, a host of other other countries there that, that we can host. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, hold on one second. Did we just sign Messi? Is that what you're? Is that what you're doing on your <laughs> no, phone? No, no, we'll, we'll come back to. <laughs> no, we'll right. come back to. Um, you know, I mean, this would be one of the, the things, for instance, that the new CEO is going to work a lot on yeah. is is how do we use that and you know, and our own parallel efforts with the World Cup to expand soccer and what it means and what its value is uh, to people. And I, I think, you know, I don't know all the answers yet. I just know that it's, it's an unparalleled event with pretty much unparalleled emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think we will get a chance to, to really build off of that as we do our own thing here. Mm -hmm. And it's really important, to, I think, for us all to remember, and certainly us as an organization, or people to remember that while we are part of something bigger in that bigger thing, whether it be the World Cup and FIFA and all its goings on, or MLS, we're also in our local community. And so we have to, we can't rely on other people to do these things for us. We have to make sure we reach out and we make it apparent why this is a good sport what its lessons are among the world of sports, what it uh, means to communities and, and why, and all of those things here in our town, a very different town than somewhere else. And we do that even as the other things are going on. So that's some of the learnings, and I think we'll, you know, we'll be spending a lot of time, um, I'm sure the new CEO will, on people to uh, with people to talk about it at all different levels and you know again everybody will have a different view but you try to amalgamate those and pick out certainly the ones that you can do something about yeah. 
Um, Open-ended question, uh, just to, to wrap up. Uh, anything that you were excited about or you're thinking about that is not on on my radar, or, or that I'm not I'm not asking you about. What what's with the the team that maybe I'm not I'm not seeing right now? No, I, look, I think I think you guys. You see it. I mean, you're like all of us. You know, we got you got a view. I got a view. Everybody's got a view. You know, we used to have sayings about opinions. And yeah, yeah. Like lots of things. Um, you know, what I most appreciate, all honesty, and you know, I always try to say things the way I see them, and sometimes people agree, sometimes they don't. Um, I appreciate people that care about something. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you talk about, for instance, the next CEO, mm -hmm. you have somebody with passion, mm -hmm. somebody for whom the team means something, somebody who may not agree with what somebody out there says, but cares enough about their opinion and stuff that it does count, that it does matter. Um, so I think we got a, you know, we've done a, a really good job in a, a getting this far. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was thinking back the other day, actually, I was reading that little ditty I wrote a number of years mm -hmm. ago where I put all the songs, mm -hmm. the titles of the songs to give the history and, you know, we're crying in our milk and it's, you know, don't take the team away from me. And mm -hmm. we look back to 76 and all of the ups and downs. And yet here we are with this stadium, like Bruce McGuire likes to say, and you look at it and you got this clock up there that has memories. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, really, there is some stability and something that you can really put your hands around and say, yeah, it's here. Um, what we have to just do is, is constantly think about what we can do different. And I like the fact that people have opinions. Mm -hmm. um, prefer opinions when they're bound by facts. <laughs> sure. Sometimes they're not, but that's why they're opinions sometimes. But, you know, we have such a, a great community that's engaged in this. There are things we, we need to really focus on. It's hard when you've got, <clears throat> you know, a finite set of resources. You're in a mid-sized town. You've got a lot of things going. You're trying mm -hmm. to do all this stuff at once. You can't do everything at once. It's yeah. just, um, you know, but what you what you decide you're going to do, you need to do well. And I right. think that's what we need to do, make sure we're doing that. And so I think all the, the thinking, and yes, you know, there are holes and, you know, we can always get better um, in everything we do. We'll, we'll be better on some players, mm -hmm. um, you know, but I look back and say, oh man, and you know, people have said it, I, I was wrong. But a year ago, what do we have Robin Lude for? Yeah. I mean, well, look how pay is. Guys, He's a star. Well, we just oh, we said we know we, he just needs to move to the right, and then then finally Adrian yeah. listens to and, this but podcast. You know, <laughs> I, but you, the, the problem is what's yeah. so interesting. These things are never just one thing. Yes, yeah, and you yeah. understand. You know, you've got this salary cap. Yeah. You've got players that if you hang on to, they you get nothing for them. The, the, it's the funny rules, so to speak, of MLS, and they're just the rules because of the way it grew up. And you have to deal with that, and then you've got a worldwide thing. And you bring somebody in here, but you can't deal with this. Or if you deal with this, you know, you can only halfway deal with this unless you deal with that. And so there's so many things that, that are interdependent that, that we have to, 
to pick at. But you know, I think I think we'll get there, and you know, learning and and hopefully in the not too distant future, you know, we'll have a, a stadium that's sitting more in the midst of some other things that will bring people to the neighborhood. You know, you've heard me say many times before. I think what we'd like to do is see this be a place that attracts people every day of the week because I think that's what will really help the businesses around here and, you know, let you expand into the lot next door. And um, That's a whole can, uh, separate podcast, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, that's, that's what we, we hope to see. And so far it's been really good. And, I mean, I, I do enjoy coming out and I watch people and, you know, I had a distant relative here a couple of weeks ago for the game and she was found of um, one of her brothers or half brothers I think and they were at the game together and two friends and one hour after the game that was the Wednesday night game they're out there in front of the United Sculpture mm-hmm. taking their picture and she came back and said man what a great picture but it really pissed me off we couldn't ever get alone <laughs> there were always so many people wanting to take their picture in front sure. of it. And I thought back, Wes, to, to when we sort of thought about doing that sculpture and the debate. You know, it was like, well, shouldn't it say MNUFC? Shouldn't it say United FC? No, it should say United. Yeah. Let people decide what United means to them. Uniting cities, uniting five teams, uniting the diversity of this world in soccer, all of those things. That's really pretty powerful, and we're you know there's going to be another sculpture going up here in the not too distant future. Um, Buzz Lagos, finally, you heard it here first. Well, it won't be that <laughs> quite that literal, um, but it's a it's a great piece of sculpture. I'm I'm so excited about it, and um, it it has its own thing to say. Mm-hmm. So you know that's the the great thing, and you know we all know that there are a lot of things that we can that we need to do different in our society and need to do as individuals and to make it a better place. But if we keep working on it and uh, we don't have a finished product ourselves, but we'll keep working on it. So yeah. I think it's pretty good. Um, thank you again for coming yeah. on the podcast. Anytime. It's, a, it's great to chat every, every time. So. Yep. And we'll uh, see you Saturday and uh, hopefully we won't have any Last minute shenanigans. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll we'll pray for good referees. So. Yeah, well, as Adrian said, there, you know, we all have bad days. I just <laughs> wish they weren't quite that costly. But, uh, we'll get there.